0: 24. Matthew 7, this has kind of been, been our theme verse uh, for this new series that we've been doing, talking about building on the rock, building on the rock. So Matthew 7, verse 24, we're going to hang out there for a little bit. Matthew 7, 24 in the New King James Version. This is Jesus speaking, red letter. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say, and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Everybody say church on the rock. Thank you very much. Next verse. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rains descended and the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house. It fell, and great was its fall. So today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to continue this series about building on the rock. Everybody say, building on the rock. So that's where we're going to go today. This will be part three of this kind of series. It was a sermon, and now it's turned into a series, kind of like preachers do. And uh, I just got to share with you what God's sharing to me about and that's where really this came from, because I was going to go a different direction. And so we're going to talk again today about the importance of the Word of God, building our life upon the Word of God. So let's get this scripture back up, Matthew 7 and verse 24. Seven twenty four says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man or woman who built his house on the rock. Let's just leave this up here and built his house on the rock. Now you're ready for this. Now today we're going to again talk about the importance of the word of God. Now when this passage is written, Jesus is speaking this. He's talking about when he talks about building your house on the rock. It's not some generic idea. It's not some idea that's just flippant that people say my life is based on God or my life is built on Jesus. No, you got to get a little bit more down to the nitty gritty. You got to be a little more specific on what it's talking about here. Because so many Christians want to give a generic answer, but their life is not built on the rock. Now you're going to need to respond about a hundred times better today because you're Pentecostals last time I checked. So today... Thinking about this scripture and thinking about this word that's in here about building your life on the rock, we can't just say, God, that's true. God is the rock that we build our life on. We can't just say, Jesus is what I build my life on. We got to get down to what he's really talking about and what did he say here? Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, what is that? That's his word. And does them. Key word, key point right there. And does them. Those will be the people who I liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So when we talk about building your life on the rock or on God or on Jesus, however you say it, what he's really talking about is building your life on his word. Because Jesus and his word are one. Jesus and his word are one. So you can't say you listen to Jesus and follow Jesus if you don't listen to what he said in his book. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it says, therefore, whoever hears the word and does what they've heard, those are the ones who build their lives on the rock. Other translations say those who hear and follow. Those who hear and do, the Passion Translation says those who hear and apply it to their life are those who build their life on the rock. So we got to ask ourselves the question, what is our life built on? And a lot of times we don't figure that out till the storms of life come. till there's a crisis situation, and then you're freaking out because you realize, oh, I've been on sand this whole time. Because you're in church and you're hearing and you're hearing and you listen to Christian radio and you got a Christian bumper sticker and you carry a Bible, so you think that your life is built on the rock, but you realize you've just been hearing and hearing and hearing and you think you got it, but that's just the first step. Those who are built on the rock are those who hear it and do it. Those who hear it and follow it, those who hear it and apply it to their life are those who build their lives on the rock. I don't know about you, but I want my life built on the rock, not on sand. Now, when everything's going right, we don't think it's a big deal. We don't think it's a big deal. But when you get in a crisis situation and the storms of life come into your life, we see where your house was built and what it was built upon when the storms of life hit. And I'm not trying to prophesy this to you, but storms of life will come to everyone in here. Challenges, trials, because you live in a fallen world. You live in a sinful world. You live in a world that the devil still has some level of authority in. So there will be trials and temptations, and there will be storms that come to the righteous and the unrighteous, to the just and the unjust. There will be things that happen to all of us, but the difference is... Those who build their life on the rock, come on now, somebody, will still be standing when the storm's over, when the trial's over, when the sickness is over, when the depression's over. They will still be standing because their life was built on a rock. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? That's the difference. It's coming to both houses, but it will still be standing. You know, you might have a few shingles missing and a door that's off. You might have a few uh, pieces of your house that are not the way it should be. But guess what? You can fix it back together again. At least your house is still standing because it's on the right foundation. But storms of life come to everyone. But it matters that we hear it and we do it. And we apply it to our life. We follow it. And for most of us in here, because we have a church that has heard the word strongly for years, 30 plus years. And we have a church family that's been at church a lot for years and years and years. And you know what the the thing is about that is you can get in a habit of just hearing it and saying, I got it. When you don't. Now, that's why I'm warning you today. I'm trying to challenge you today that maybe you've gotten that funk and you've just tuned out the Word of God and you come and you hear it and you're like, that's a good message. I have notes on it, but are you applying it or doing anything with what you're hearing? Because if you're not, your house is built on sand or your life is built on sand. And so we need to build our life on the rock. It's hard to build a house in a hurricane. You guys know that? (laughs) It's too late by then. That's why one of my jobs as a pastor is to warn you and to challenge you before something happens. Not out of fear, not out of fear. But to be a good pastor and leader that warns you ahead of time, no, build your house right before something happens. Before the crisis, before the sickness, before the depression, before the challenge with your child who's going, trying to go away from God, build your house on the right things first. And I think more than ever, we need believers who are steady and stable And not moved by the news. And not moved by what's happening in our country. And not moved by what's happening in the world. And it's not hiding away in Idaho trying to wait for the rapture. No, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. But we're built on a solid foundation. So we're not shaken up like everybody we go to school with. We're not shaken up like everybody we work with. We're not running scared and in fear like the rest of the people. Because we know we have answers. And our life is built on something stable. It's built on a rock. And when we live like that, guess what? Your school is going to be attracted to you. Your work is going to be attracted to you. Your community is going to be attracted to you. Your life is going to be attracted to you. And they're going to say, I need some answers. And you got it because you're not shaking up like everybody else. Because you're different. Because your house is built on a rock. Come on, does anybody believe that today? And that's the difference. And that's what we need to do. When the world gets darker, the church gets brighter. Come on now, somebody. The church gets brighter. This is not a hopeless situation. This is not a fearful situation. This is not doom and gloom. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We have the answers. We have the light. We have a foundation that we can stand on that will not be shaken. Come on, I'm preaching myself happy. I don't know about you. And we build it on the rock. Now, we build it on the rock for ourselves and our families, but we build it on the rock for other people because other people matter too. Trust me, if your house is falling apart, you can't help anybody else, can you? (laughs) If your house is in shambles, you can't go over to somebody else's house and try to help them build. No, when your life is built on a rock... Then you can help other people. Not that you don't ever go through anything or feel anything. I'm not saying that, but your life is built on a rock. You could write this down. Second Timothy three sixteen says that all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God breathed, inspired by God. This Bible that we have is inspired. By God. It is God breathed. And it says in those verses there. We're not going to turn there. But 2 Timothy 3.16 into 17. It says all scripture is given by God. And it's able to make you wise. Now what did we just read? A wise man builds his house on the rock. It says the scripture is able to make you wise. It also says that getting into this book. The scriptures that are written down here. Are able to make you equipped and complete For every good work. That's what your Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Or we could say that getting into the word of God makes you equipped and complete to do what you're called to do. And without it, you're not going to be equipped and complete to do what you're called to do. And so we see that getting in the Bible doesn't just help us to make us wise. It helps us to get into the plan of God for our life. It makes us equipped and complete to do what we're called to do. Now, once again, when I say do what you're called to do, you're not called to do this. But you still have a calling. And you still have a gifting. And you still have a plan for your life. Just because you're not a preacher. And you need equipment and completion from God just like I do. And you only get that through the scriptures, through his word. Because it's God-given, God-breathed, God-designed for us to make us wise, complete, and equipped for every good work. Now, I want to kind of follow this theme that we picked up last week. And we were talking about the Word of God and the importance of it. And we were giving some examples that the Bible uses word pictures or illustrations of what the Word is like so that we can understand it better. And I shared three of those with you last week, and I want to share a couple more today. Because when I was studying about them, it was just so good. I was like, I have to share this with them. So last week, real quick, we shared about the word is like bread. Now, we shared last week the word is like bread. The word is spiritual food or spiritual nourishment for us as believers. We are a spirit. That's the real us. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. But the real us is a spirit, and that's what's connected to God. But our spirit needs food just like our body needs food. And a lot of times we neglect our spirit, and we wonder why we're spiritually weak. In the words of that old-time preacher, he said, You feed your body three warm meals a day, and your spirit one cold snack a week, and you wonder why. You're spiritually weak. Because if you don't eat, your body gets weak. Can I say amen? Some of you are already grumpy right now waiting on lunch. It's almost 11 o'clock and you guys are like, I'm hungry. Oh my! I need to leave this service. You guys are already getting grumpy and tired just because you haven't eaten today. And we know if we don't eat, we get weak. We get weak. And eventually, you know, if you don't eat, you die. Same way spiritually, if you don't feed your spirit spiritual food, you get weak. You don't have strength that you need to live this life. But the strength comes from eating the word of God, which is reading it, which is speaking it, which is listening to it. That's how we get into the word of God. And God says in his word, he has daily bread for us. Not just physical bread, spiritual bread, daily, for us. And we need to eat the Word of God just like we eat every day. You don't take days off, do you? No, you don't. Now, why do we take days off from the Bible? We're getting spiritually weak every time we do that. We need to eat every day. God has daily bread for us, so we eat the Word of God. It's like bread It's food for us. It makes us strong and healthy. It's like light. It's like light because it helps us and gives us direction. It helps us when we can't see a way out, it gives us a way that we can see our future. It says the word is like light. It's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. When other people don't have answers, we have answers because the word is a light to our path. and helps us see a way out. There's always a way of escape. And the word is like water. We said the water brings refreshing to us. It helps us. It cleanses us. It purifies us. It gets all the junk of the world that we pick up every day off of us when we get washed by the water, which is the Word of God. So the Word is like water. But I want to talk about three more things today. You guys excited about this? Three more things today, and there's more than this, but we're just going to stick with three. The first thing I want to talk about is the Word is like gold. The Word is like gold. Let's turn to Psalm nineteen seven. Psalm 19, 7-10, the word is like gold. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Do you hear that again? Wise. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart, and the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, and each one is fair. Verse 10, they are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold, and they are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. But notice that your words are more desirable than gold. So let's talk a second about the word of God is like gold. We realize that gold... Is probably the most recognized stone in the in the world. Gold. Now there's tons of different precious stones and jewels and all sorts of materials in the world that we could talk about, and but gold is the standard. That's why they say the gold standard. Gold is the standard of wealth. Gold. Th- Gold is the standard of being one of the most precious things that we have. And it says that the word of God is like gold. To the person who's experiencing it, it's like gold. It's like treasure. It's something of priceless value. Are you hearing me today? And we need to treat the word of God like gold. Because if we did, we would get so much more out of it. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but there's people in other countries that wish that they had a full chapter of the Bible to read. And they would do anything just to read a chapter, but then you've got Americans who have 10 Bibles in their house. They have Bible apps with hundreds of translations and devotionals and word studies, and they never read it. They don't see the value in it. And they don't even realize they're missing every time they go by their coffee table and see their Bible there. If they really thought it was gold, they would pick it up. They would treasure it. They would take it with them everywhere they went because they realized these words are more valuable than gold. They are a priceless value. And for whatever reason, God chose to have you on this continent In this time, for whatever reason he favored your life, we need to be a grateful people. That we have this book, not just in one translation, but hundreds of translations. With study tools that help us understand it. Literal, generations and generations of believers wish they had this. There's people that lost their life just to translate it into the English language so we could read it. But then we, after church on Sunday, you know when you see it next next Sunday morning, hey, where's my Bible at? Oh, it's on the coffee table where it left it after service on Sunday. We've all done it, but that shows us we don't treat it with value. No, God's word is valuable, and it's more precious than gold. I love this because it's psalm, and that was written by David, who was a man after God's own heart. And guess what? He was a man after God's own heart. He had revelation of the heart of God. And that's why he wrote that this word is more desirable than gold. It's better than gold. It's better than precious stones and gems. When you find this, you find everything you need. It's the treasure that you're looking for. And it's a priceless value. There's a parable in the Gospels that says there was a man who sold everything he had to buy a field that there was treasure in. Because he decided that the treasure in that field is more valuable than anything I own. So he sold everything. He gave up everything he had to buy the field where the treasure was. What's the treasure? The word of God. Come on, are you hearing me today? The treasure is the word of God. That means when you really find it, you... You realize I don't desire other things. I'll give up anything. I'll give up time. I'll give up money. I'll give up anything I need because the treasure that I'm finding is more valuable than anything I own. It's more desirable than gold. It's precious, it's a treasure. Don't dishonor the Word of God, it's a treasure. Now, I promise you, everyone in here, I promise you, if you read your Bible like that, watch what you'll get out of it. You know why we don't get stuff out of the Bible? Because we read it like, eh, it's okay. Kind of boring. Don't get much out of it. Of course you don't. But when you treat it like it's God speaking to me, which it is, when you treat it like this is God's word to me, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to get something out of it, and God wants to speak to me through his word because he does, watch what you'll get out of the Bible. I promise you. But the word is like gold. It's priceless in value. It's a treasure that we should give everything up for because it's the treasure we've been looking for. The second thing I want to talk about today is the word is like a mirror. James 1, 22-25. The word of God is like a mirror. Verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. So we've been talking about. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So we want to talk a second about the word is like a mirror. The word is like a mirror because it reveals to us who we are and what God has called us to be. The word of God is like a mirror And it reveals to us who we are and what God has called us to be. Now, I'm going to explain to you what that means for you today. Because a lot of times, people take the Bible negatively. That's another reason why they don't get much out of it, because they read it with a negative attitude. But I would say the primary reason that God wrote to you in this book it's not to tell you who you're not. Now, where's my organ at when I need it? And that's the way people read this, don't they? They read, oh, I'm not that. Oh, I got to straighten that up. I'm blowing it on that. That's the way you read it. Your attitude stinks because that's not the way that God wrote it. And when you read it like that, you don't get what you need out of it. But God didn't write it to tell you who you're not. He wrote it to tell you who you are. Now, we just sang about that. I am who you say I am. Not how I feel. Not how I live. But what God says about me. Now, how do I get that? The word of God. So God's trying to tell you who you are. He's trying to tell you who you are. Now, let's read this verse again. James 1 and 22 and 23. I know you're getting it now. Verse 23, it says, for you, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. But notice, you see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Stop. So what happens today? You know why you act nicer on Sundays than you do the other days of the week? You know... You just seem nicer. Don't, doesn't most people seem nicer on Sundays after they go to church? They should. <laughs> Why do you seem nicer? Because you just looked into the mirror. And notice when we get away from it, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. So on Sunday, this is what I do. This is what you look like, Dr. Jacobs. So you know what? Since he sees himself, he acts that way. He lives that way. He walks that way. But what happens Monday morning when you wake up and you're not looking at this, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Forget what you look like. That's why we need the Word of God daily. Because trust me, you need to remind yourself during the week, Oh, I don't look like that. Or maybe your husband or wife or your family can help you when you're acting grumpy and say, oh, no, no, you look like this. Let's check yourself right now. You look like this. But when we walk away from the mirror, what happens if we're not constantly looking at the mirror, which is the word, we forget what we look like. We forget who we really are. That's why we need to be getting into the word of God daily to remind ourselves who we really are. You ever heard somebody say that before? Some of you parents will say, that's not you. I didn't raise you that way. That's not what the Jacobs do. That's not what you look like. Stop acting that way. Sometimes God is saying that from heaven. I didn't raise you that way. Look at yourself in the mirror and see what you really look like. Because you're not acting like what you really are. You're a child of God. You are holy. You are righteous. You are healed. You are delivered. You are peaceful. You are wise. You are a child of the Most High God. Act like it. Well, I'm excited. There's one person here. But it happens to all of us, doesn't it? If we're not in the Word, we forget what we really are. We forgot what we look like. And God has to remind us, nope, that's not you. You're not angry. You're not sinful. You're not addicted. That's not you. Look at the mirror. It tells you who you really are. And notice if we don't do it, we'll forget who we really are. We'll forget who we are. We'll forget what we look like. And that's why... God says through His Word, read it, listen to it, and do it. Because when you do that, it's going to change you into a different person. It's going to change you into the real you. Can I make a comment? When people are saying they're being real, no, you're not. They use it as an excuse to act out. Well, this is the real me. No, it's not. That's the devil. I don't say that to him, but it's true. No, that's not, that's not the real you. That's the devil. That's your flesh nature. That's your sinful nature. That's not the real you. So that's not an excuse. I got to be real. I got to keep it real. That's the real me. No, that's not the real you. The real you is in here. The real you is kind. And loving and joyful and peaceful and self-controlled and righteous and excited about God. That's the real you. I'm preaching myself happy today. That's the real you. So let's not use it as an excuse for being out of line with God's word. That's just real me. No, it's not. You just forgot what you look like. You just forgot who you are. You know how do you forget? You get away from the word of God. You get away from it. But notice it says you see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. Now what is he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. And if you do what it says and don't forget it, then God will bless you for doing that. So the word is a mirror that reveals to us Who we are and what God has called us to be. It's not telling you who you're not. It's telling you who you are. And notice that's why it's so important that we keep it before our eyes. We keep it in our face. We read it. We listen to it. We study it. We stay in the word of God. Because if we don't, we'll forget who we are and live differently than what God has called us to live. So the word is like a mirror, and I want to read another verse to you, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Did you hear this verse? When we look into the mirror, it changes us into the same image that we're looking at, which is the Word of God from glory to To glory. So you want to know how to change your life? Get into the word of God. And the more you look at it, the more you're going to change. And the more you read it, the more you're going to change. And the more you study and meditate and speak it, you're going to change. Because whatever you're looking at, you will change it to the image of. Are you hearing me? That's why it's so important you, you even hear people that are not even believers say this about having good positive role models because they realize the image that they're looking at is what they're going to become like. So let's just take the inner city. They want to get good role models in there because they need to see a different image of what they see. Because they realize whoever they look up to And whoever they focus on, they're going to become like them. It's the same way spiritually. Whatever we look at, whatever we feed on, whatever we focus on, we're going to be changed into that same image. Because people say, I want to be like Jesus. You do? How do you do that? The word. The more you look at it, the more you're changed into the same image. The more you focus on it, the more you're transformed into that same image. Isn't it easy to say I want to be like Jesus but not do anything about it? I want to be like Jesus. Well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. (laughs) So most people say, I don't know. I want to be. Well, how do you practically become like that? The word, the word. You find out who you are, who God's called you to be, and you're being transformed into that same image. And we become more like God. The word is like a mirror. And lastly, I want to talk about the word is like a seed. You guys get something so far today? I tell you, I have been straight wild for seven or eight weeks now, and I don't take any of it back. You know why? Because I'm excited about it and I'm passionate about it. And I feel like God's trying to do something in this church. That's the passion level. (laughs) I only have one setting it's passion, all or nothing. So I don't have like a mediocre vibe or an average thing going on. It's like I'm either not here or I'm full blown passion. (laughs) It's like I'm not going to show up at church or I'm 100% passionate. There's there's no in between. But I think you guys appreciate that. Somebody who's excited and passionate about God's word. And excited about helping you guys. So we see the word is like a seed. The word is like a seed. And we see that the word throughout the Bible is given the example of being like a seed. We see in the gospels a lot of times Jesus would use the parable of the seed. One of the parables we know is the parable of the four different types of soil. And in that parable, the seed is the word of God. And the soil is the different types of hearts. We see in another place that he talks about having mustard seed faith. Once again... The seed is the word of God. Because how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God uses the example that his word is like seed in our lives. You could just write this down, but in 1 Peter one twenty three, it says that if you've been born again, you are born of incorruptible seed. Now, when you were born the first time, you were born of corruptible seed. But when you're born again, you're born of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. Now that you have a new life, you have a new lineage. You have a new heritage. You have a new family. And it's all because of the word of God. You are born from something new and something different, which is full of life and has eternity in it, the word of God. And it says that we are born of the seed of the word of God. But let's read a verse. Mark 4 and verse 30. Mark 4 and verse 30. It says, Jesus speaking in the parable, he said, How shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use to illustrate and explain it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground even though it's smaller than all the other seeds that are sown on the soil. Next verse. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden herbs. And it puts out large branches so the birds of the sky are able to come make its nest and live under its shade. So it, Jesus gave this parable and he says, the word of God is like a seed. Not just like any seed, it's like a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. But it says when that mustard seed is planted in the ground, it grows up and it becomes larger than everything else in the garden. So the Word of God is like seed, it's like seed. And so we see that the word of God in our life must be planted. The thing about seeds is they have life in it, but it stays dormant till it's planted. That's why it does nothing to carry your Bible. Nothing. There's a lot of seeds in here. There's a lot of life in here. It's doing nothing in your life Sitting under your arm. It's doing nothing sitting on the coffee table because there are seeds in here and they lay dormant till they're planted. Yes. Yes. Now, how do we plant the Word of God in our life? We plant it by reading it, by meditating on it, by speaking out the Word of God. That's how we plant the Word of God into our life for it to grow up and become large. And that's how We change. But a lot of us have this Bible full of seeds, full of life. But it's dormant. Because there's life in the seed to produce. This Bible, it says, is alive and full of power. And it has inherent power in every word. There is no word of God void of power. There's life inherent in the seed. But what is the difference between what we're experiencing and what the Word of God says? It's not being planted. There's a random verse in the Old Testament that says, Are the seeds still in the barn? Can I ask you that? You guys live in the Midwest. Are the seeds still in the barn? Are the seeds still in the barn? Because they can't help you when they're in the barn. They can't even help you when they're on the tractor. The seed has to be planted to grow. And we want the word of God to change our life. How does it change? We got to plant it in our life. There's inherent power in the seed. There's life in the seed. There's power to produce in the seed. But we have to plant the word of God in our life. What the seed is the word and the soil is our heart. And we plant it by our speaking, our reading, our meditating of God's word. That's how it grows. But it won't grow until it's planted. So we see the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. The smallest of seeds. You know there is things in our life that seem really big. Anybody have anything in their life that seems really big right now? Could be a health issue, could be a family issue, could be a job situation, could be depression and anxiety, could be a relationship falling apart. Could be your kids going the wrong direction. Could be all sorts of things. They seem large. But the word seems really small. Seems really small. It says the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. And to the natural man, this is small. To the natural person, you're saying... The word of God is not going to change this situation. The word of God can't do that. This situation is so much bigger than what I'm experiencing and going through. But there's power in the seed. And when you plant the mustard seed, the seed of the word of God, even though it is the smallest of all seeds. Can we get that verse back up there? Because I'm about to preach. It says it's like a mustard seed, which when it's sown on the ground, even though it's smaller than the other seeds that are sown in the soil. Yet. Come on, give me a good yet in the Bible. Or we could say but. That's my favorite one. Because God's butt's bigger than your butt. But when it's sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all The other plants. And it puts out large branches so the birds of the sky are able to make its nest and live under its shade. So what's it saying? Yes, situations in your life seem big. They seem strong. They seem greater than the Word of God. But you know what? What you're doing today matters. Even though coming to church seems small, it's not small. Because what you're doing is planting that little mustard seed in the ground. And you know what? Later, you're going to see the fruit of that decision, putting the Word of God when you didn't feel like it, putting the Word of God in you when you didn't know what to do. And even though it seems small, when it grows up, it becomes larger than all the rest in the garden. It becomes bigger than anything you're facing when it's planted in the soil of God. Come on, are you hearing me today? Don't treat it as insignificant because it seems small. Even though it's the smallest of all seeds, just plant that thing. Because when it grows up, it's going to be bigger than depression. It's going to be bigger than financial issues. It's going to be bigger than relationship issues. It's going to be bigger than sickness and disease. It's going to be larger than anything you're facing. And you don't see it right now because all you see is the seed. But you have to plant it to see it grow. Are you guys hearing me today? Yeah. And it becomes larger and greater than anything else in the garden. Because a word is like a seed. I think it's interesting, too. it says, "And after it's grown up, it puts out a large branches so the birds of the sky are able to make its nest and live under its shade. You know what that tells me about again? It's not just about you. (laughs) Not just about you. What happens? When you get grown up, the word gets grown up in your life and you're large enough, notice what happens. Other people can come in and find rest and find refreshing and you can take care of them because you're able to shade them with your branches. It's not just about you. That seed's doing more than just changing your life. It's changing other people's life. Because you've grown to a place where the seed of the word of God is larger and greater than anything else in your life. The word of God is like a seed. And I just want to encourage you today, before I leave, I know we've been doing that the past three weeks, get into the word of God like never before. Love God's word. Speak God's word. Think about God's word. Meditate on God's word. If you don't have the right translation, get on the Bible app and find a translation that works for you. Ask somebody who knows the Bible better than you. See what you should do to how to study the Bible. There's answers if you want them. There's help if you want it. But we got to be passionate about God's word. Building our life on the rock. So once again, the word is like gold. It's priceless in value and treasure. The word is like a mirror. It reveals to us who we are and what God has called us to be. And the word is like a seed. When we plant it in our life, even though it seems small, it grows up and it becomes larger, greater, more powerful than anything else in our life that we face. Come on, did you guys get something today? I appreciate you coming. Let's just pray. Father, we love you today. And we just thank you for what you're doing in this church, what you're doing in this house. Father, we thank you. I'm believing just like I prayed the past several weeks for a supernatural passion, a supernatural hunger,